0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Effective Church Leaders podcast, where our mission is to help church leaders make and grow followers of Jesus. Now, one way we do that is by answering the questions that church leaders often have. And today, that's just what we want to do. We want to answer your questions. We are your hosts Becky and Carrie Holton.
1: That's right. In today's podcast, we want to respond to some questions that have come to us, as well as some situations that have come to our attention.
0: That's right. And I suppose we could entitle this episode, From the Mailbag, but I guess that metaphor has more or less become obsolete, right?
1: (laughs) Well, From the (laughs) Mailbag would refer to letters that we've received from our listeners and others, but... Alas, we didn't really receive any letters, did we? We received emails, so well, hey. we, we could call it from the inbox. Uh, yeah,
0: we could, <laughs> but those are still letters. They're just electronic and digital ones, right? Yeah, that's Boy, true. Times have changed, haven't they?
1: I know. All we get in our mailbox are bills.
0: <laughs> that's correct.
1: Advertisements.
0: <laughs> Advertisements.
1: <laughs> well, enough of this. I think we better get to I it.
0: think we better, too.
1: So here's a question and I quote First Timothy 5:17 and 18 seems to suggest that some elders in the first century churches They had some kind of full-time engagement. That is, they were financially supported in their work. Are you aware of some churches of Christ that either have paid or are now paying elders? What justification or scriptural warrant do churches offer for not following this apostolic command and example? How do churches explain the inconsistency of following scripture regarding supporting preachers while not supporting the same regarding elders?
0: Well, you've asked a lot of questions there. Or our listener has asked yeah. a lot of questions there. Well, first of all. Good question. Yes. Our questioner is right about 1 Timothy five seventeen and 18. There, Paul writes this. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. And the laborer deserves to be paid. So Paul is clearly telling Timothy and the church in Ephesus that the elders who direct the affairs of the church and and who do it well, especially those who are responsible for preaching and teaching, they are to receive honor, even double honor. And he writes that scripture supports what he's saying, right? He quotes Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, and then he quotes a statement of Jesus that's found in Luke 10 and verse 7. He's affirming. Mm -hmm. That these elders, these men, are worthy of remuneration when they do their work well. Unfortunately, not all are doing their work well in Ephesus, so he addresses that problem in 1 Timothy 5, verses 19 through 22.
1: So, from those verses, it is a biblically approved practice to pay elders for their work. Yes, In fact, I think we could add that 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2 presupposes that elders were paid for their work. I need to read that passage, don't I? You
0: didn't bring your Bible, did you? I didn't. Here you go. I've got mine. I
1: have my phone, but...
0: You know what I think about that. (laughs) Go ahead ahead and use my Bible I said
1: that just to annoy you? I know you did. Okay. Let me read 1 Peter 5, 1 through 2. Now, as an elder myself and a witness of the suffering to Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. So Peter's concern seems to be with their hearts and their motives. Wouldn't you say?
0: Yeah, obviously, uh, apparently if we read between the lines, some were receiving pay, but, but as you said, he's concerned that they don't do it for pay.
1: They were adding to the bank account.
0: That's right. Mm -hmm. That, That was not their primary motivation. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone would disagree that paying elders is a God approved practice. Now, For the other questions raised by our friend, I've heard of churches who have made one of their elders sort of an administrator for the church. That person might be responsible for taking care of the more administrative things in the church that must be done like, you know, paying staff, overseeing retirement plans, overseeing health insurance policies, so forth. But, you know, I'm not aware of any paid elders who labored in preaching and teaching. I'm sure it's been done in the past, but I don't believe it's a common practice today. How about you? Do you know of any churches that have or are now paying elders?
1: You know, as you were talking about that, I was I was trying to think of some. We have known some in the past, but I'm not thinking any of any right now. Um, but as to why we don't practice this biblical command or example today, I I don't think I can answer that question because it seems to that we've adopted the tradition of paying preachers and other ministers, but also, you know, we don't see that tradition of paying them. We see them now as only being primarily unpaid volunteers. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would. And, and God bless our elders who are volunteering for this responsibility. It's a huge job that requires a significant investment of time. In fact, If you're doing it well, it will take up a huge amount of your time and heart. And, you know, churches should possibly consider paying some of their elders. Proper remuneration would even free them up more, these paid elders, so they could devote themselves to the work they're called to do.
0: I agree. You know, I think it is a practice that churches should consider. I would say that in our effort to follow the pattern of the New Testament, New Testament Christianity, that's one command or at least one permission that Paul offers that seems to have fallen through the cracks, wouldn't you? Yes, uh huh. I mean, we are big on observing the Lord's Supper every Sunday, as Scriptures indicate, and we are intent upon baptizing believers as Scriptures command. You know, we have generally failed to follow the prescripts of 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 22. So I think our questioner has a valid point.
1: Mm-hmm. You mentioned that we've generally failed to follow the instructions of 1 Timothy five seventeen through 22. And one example of that is likely what, Kamal, what Paul is commanding in verses 19 and 20.
0: Yeah, well, if you give me my Bible back, I'll read that for us.
1: Here, here's my phone.
0: <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> all right, here's chapter 5 of first Timothy verses 19 and 20. Never accept any accusation against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. And as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest also may stand in fear. You know, my my feeling is that those particular passages are not often obeyed. Mm -hmm. I I don't see us often obeying those particular passages and, and, you know, even, even verse 20, verse 21, I want to talk about verse 21 and look at verse 21 in first Timothy chapter five. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Where is it? Uh, did I say 21? Yes. 21 Mm -hmm. in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I warn you to keep these instructions without prejudice. Doing nothing on the basis of partiality—that's
1: significant.
0: Now, let me let me uh, let me ride a hobby horse here just for just a minute. Paul tells Timothy to not show partiality to the elders, and I'll give you an example of how I think gospel preachers can show partiality—an example that that is not a good example. It's a negative example. They can take their ideas to the elders that they feel closest to before taking their ideas, before the entire eldership. You know, it's just my opinion, but I don't like that practice. I don't think it's a good one. I've heard people advise, well, you need to get the vote in the boat, and what they mean by that is before you take an idea to the entire decision-making body, you need to make sure or you need to ensure that you have a positive response to that decision by getting a few decision-makers on board, on your side, before bringing it before all the decision makers. I don't like that practice. I think that is a clear example of a preacher who is showing partiality to just a few elders and not to all of them.
1: But don't you think a preacher may be closer to some elders than others? You know, he might have more in common with some other some of the elders more than others. Uh, He might share perspectives with some more than others. He might just feel closer to them.
0: Well, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. He's going to feel closer to some than others, but I don't think that gives him the right to show partiality. I just don't think it's a good idea, for example, for him to go to lunch or to have coffee with some, those he are closest to, and not with others. I mean, I think that's a sign of partiality.
1: We probably got off on a tangent, didn't we? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, we probably did.
1: It's one of our spiritual gifts. Yeah,
0: I'm sure we did. Why don't we consider another question from the mailbag before we close down this episode and okay. get off more, get off tangent again.
1: Okay, good idea. Here's another question we received and a situation we heard about that someone wants us to weigh in on, and it really has to do with the role of elders, so it's relevant to the series of podcasts we're doing on the subject of elders. Now, we've tweaked some of the details of this particular story without changing the focus of the question that the listener was asking. And apparently one of the elders of a congregation sent an email to the members of the church announcing that a cookout had been scheduled and placed on the church calendar. The stated purpose of this cookout was to offer a time for fellowship but to also discuss the importance of a of a very vital ministry. And the elder had planned this activity because they were wanting to get more members involved in this activity in this ministry you know, I, okay. I think that's it in a nutshell. So the question is, should the elder be planning and scheduling an activity such as this? Is this part of their role? Hmm.
0: Well, I'll weigh in on this, but of course our questioner is just asking for our opinion, right? Right. Okay. Well, what we will share then is just our opinion. First of all, I would say that it is certainly the role of elders, the role of shepherds to encourage their brothers and sisters in Christ to get involved in the work of the Lord. Absolutely. And to take the steps that they, the elders feel will promote one's spiritual growth. So I would say that elders have the right to schedule activities that would help Christians to grow. And, you know, cookouts, Grilled burgers, hot dogs. I, I like the sound of that. You know how much squirrel. I like those things. We
1: got a squirrel going here. <laughs> Back on track.
0: But, okay, having said that, though, I, w- I want to <laughs> say a little bit more about this situation.
1: And no, we're not <clears throat> grilling the squirrels either. Oh, my.
0: <laughs> I think it would be wise of elders to ask others and to authorize others to plan and schedule activities such as the ones you're thinking about. They might discuss the need to involve more members in certain ministries, but after doing so, couldn't they ask others to take the lead on these activities that are surely designed for a beneficial purpose? I mean, is there not someone else in the church who is leading these ministries? Is there not someone else who is in charge of planning and scheduling these events and activities? And by the way, why are the elders the ones who are communicating this particular activity? I mean, wouldn't it be better for others to communicate or to announce this scheduled activity to the church? And and by the way, by the way, I think the example that you're talking about, the elder then sent an email and said, now, if you can bring, if you can bring a grill or if you're willing to grill hamburgers, please contact me. Mm -hmm. Please contact me. I think that's true of the situation you're talking about. And I just don't get that at all. I mean, why is the elder the one who needs to be contacted? If someone can bring a grill, or if someone can grill out the hamburgers for that special event, and you know, I'm thinking now about Ezekiel chapter thirty-four. And let me give me just a minute. Where is Ezekiel back here in the You're Old Testament wound somewhere? Up, well, I'm getting wound up, and it's not just because you my favorite college football team is losing right now and it's not because i'm hungry <laughs> i mean i'm worked up about this You've i don't got some
1: un- stuff going on over there i don't
0: understand why elders feel like they need to be the ones to plan these activities, and then to communicate these activities, and then, hey, contact me if you can help with this activity. Aren't there others in the church who could do this? Okay, here's Ezekiel chapter 34, where God is getting on to the shepherds of Israel. He says, you have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strayed. You have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness, you have ruled them. Oh, but you did plan that hamburger cookout. So thank you so much for planning and communicating that hamburger cookout. Listen, what translation? Is I'm that? thinking of elders who probably have not contacted those who've been missing for three, four months. They haven't made any effort to go after those sheep who have strayed away from the flock, but they're planning. Hamburger cookouts and saying, contact me if you can bring a grill. Now, of course, (laughs) the problem with this is that if elders are doing those things, it keeps others from doing those things. It keeps others from growing and it keeps those elders from doing things that only they can do, like bringing back the strayed and helping people to grow spiritually and i guess I'd, i need to quit talking before i get any deeper into this well, what do you think
1: i think you know you're spot on and why that feels very upsetting to us is that it's an example of an elder <clears throat> who has a good heart i'm sure wanting to get people on board but not doing the work that god has called them to do and you know it also restricts other people from using their gifts. Right. Often we talk about helping people use their gifts, find their gifts. And by the way, these are from God. And you know, if we don't allow people in a church to be invited into work and to use their gifts and to be involved, they're more than likely not going to take ownership of the mission. And with with just one or two people doing all the work and being in charge, usually people will be less involved. Right. It's a it's a strange thing that happens with that. So we're talking also not only about godly responsibility but division of labor, delegation of responsibility and the authority that goes with those responsibilities, getting other people involved using their gifts, these things are really really important. And if an elder assumes all of those things, You know, because we read off about four or five big responsibilities in this scenario. That means other people aren't being involved. They're not using their gifts. They're not taking ownership in their just the mission of the church. And that's really significant.
0: It is. And in
1: addition to the fact the elders not will run out of time to do the shepherding that is desperately needs to be done.
0: I agree. And I think you said that it's better than i did so thank you for bringing that
1: up. i mean it's something that hurt i I know you so i know this came from a heart that hurts over this type of thing because people are slipping through the cracks and it's very sad um but i think do we have one more time for a question from the inbox yeah
0: let's consider one more i think we do
1: okay our questioner asks this questions this question, should preachers and ministers have a say in who is appointed to serve as elders in the congregation? According to Acts 14, 1 Timothy five seventeen, and Titus one five, they had a very important say in who was appointed in the early church. What about today? Is the same true truth? Our questioner, I think, refers to the passage that is speaking of Paul and Barnabas appointing elders for the churches during their first missionary journey. And then Paul's encouragement to Timothy and Titus to appoint elders in Ephesus on the Isle of Crete.
0: You know, I think I've changed my mind. I, <laughs> I don't think we have time for one more question today. You're killing me. <laughs> well, you know, why don't we save this question for a larger podcast on how elders are appointed?
1: You're hungry, aren't you? You want a, you want a grilled hamburger? I want one of those
0: grilled hamburgers. <laughs>
1: Okay, Sweetheart, that sounds like a plan. Uh, And we've also received questions uh, on that very topic from other people, how elders should be appointed. So we probably ought to devote an entire podcast episode to that question instead of, of beginning that discussion today.
0: I agree, I agree.
1: So with that, thank you for listening friends we really appreciate you coming and listening and joining us in these important conversations that we're having and we'll plan to continue this discussion next week or at least broadcast another episode next week in our series on elders until then may god bless you in the work of the lord the most important work in the world he's out the door off to grill